What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about a new partner alert that we've got for the DNVR family. We've partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys with smoking hot deals to offer. It's our friends over at Solace Meds. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Reet Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. And Solace has some banging deals this month. Here's what you can look forward to. 20% off all Glacier concentrates, 20% off Mile High extractions 1000 milligram cart 20% off CBN gummies two for 25 off koala and solace 100 milligram bars 15% off any three grams of connoisseur concentrates and buy three get one free in the entire store and on top of all of that you can take advantage of all of those deals and get an additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use the magical code DNVR20 at checkout over at Solace Meds so make sure to check them out use that magical code DNVR20 at checkout to save 20% off your entire purchase and take advantage of those awesome deals they've got going on all right Mace let's hop into the show DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Over at MSU Denver Online, they put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs and we've had people at DNVR take classes over at MSU Denver, and they say they do a great job building the, the schedule around your life so you can live life and also take classes. And they do a great job, the professors do, of bringing the real world into the classroom so you have the tools you need once you finish that class and graduate. So make sure to check them out over at MSU Denver online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Well, it's it feels like football season again, doesn't it? We were at a practice yesterday. We're not out there today because uh, practice they're close to the media the rest of the week. But uh, you're seeing news come in from around the league. I saw this morning, for example, that uh, in Cincinnati, they're excited that Joe Burrow is retaking the practice field. He's got a brace on his knee and uh, looks ready to at least do some work. And so, you know, we've kind of gone through the valley and uh, we're, we're back talking about the real football again. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And I'm excited because one of the guys that did not show up yesterday <laughs> was Aaron Rodgers, but he did show up somewhere late at night last night. He was on Sports Center with Kenny Main for his last uh, Sports Center hosting. And uh, this is the first time that Aaron Rodgers has talked publicly since all of this news came out. And boy, was it interesting what he had to say. It was interesting. And you know what? It, it was. 
it was a little bit cryptic at times, but uh, you knew that he wasn't going to be kind of uh, uh, straight on and that he uh, uh, that he wasn't going to to say some to say things one way or another. But I think it's funny, like some people say, oh, what he said last last night, it, you know, you can interpret that any way you want. But I find it hard to to see what he said last night as anything but he really doesn't want to be a Packer anymore. Mm, so I think there's two major things to take out of this. Essentially, what Aaron Rodgers did was he pointed to a philosophy being wrong within the Packers organization, not just one specific person necessarily. So here's what he said. He said, with my situation, look, it's never been about the draft pick picking Jordan. Of course, referring to Jordan Love. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. We've had a lot of fun to work. We've had a lot of fun working together. Love the coach coaching staff, love my teammates, love the fan base in Green Bay, an incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a philosophy and maybe forgetting that it's about the people that make things go. It's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. So Mace, he pointed to loving Jordan Love. He pointed to loving the coaching staff. He pointed to loving Green Bay. He pointed to loving the fan base. One huge part that he did not say he loves is the management and, you know, the general manager. He never mentioned uh, his name. Maybe it's because it's too hard to pronounce, or maybe it's because he has some issues with him. And this isn't a surprise, Mace. We kind of knew uh, that Aaron Rodgers had beef with management and did not like the way they were going about things. So none of this was a surprise last night, but he did not say publicly that he demands a trade. But in that statement I just read, Saying an incredible 16 years and then pointing to culture and philosophy, those aren't things that change just by making one move necessarily. I think Aaron's really showing to Green Bay just how deep this issue is. Yeah, and I think that was that was interesting. And that's why I don't think he's sitting there saying, okay, well, if you fire somebody or you know get somebody to resign, I'll come back. I think this is deeper seated than this. And uh uh, this this is something that in some ways uh, precedes him. Like for like for example, uh, in this in this process, uh, Andrew Brandt, who um, worked for the Packers for t- for ten years and is as an executive, and now uh, works as a, a lecturer and a co- and commentator, uh, he pointed to something that himself he'd written a few months ago, and uh, this is what he wrote. This is what Andrew Brandt wrote. Quote. Having been in that building for 10 years, I know firsthand how the Packers operate. There's no owner. There's a president, an executive committee, and a board of directors, and they all defer to the general manager on football issues. It has always been that way since I got there in 1999. And general manager Brian Gutekunst is a disciple of Ted Thompson, someone with elite evaluation skills, but deficiencies in communication and expression. The personnel staff at the Packers have always lived and breathed scouting and are excellent at what they do, but there is some lacking in people skills. Moreover, there does not appear to be anyone in the Packers front office who is a point person for Rogers, someone he can trust on issues far beyond football, unquote. So that's what I mean when I say it's deep-seated. This is a philosophy that goes back more than two decades, really, and uh, kind of started toward the end of 
Mike Holmgren's time uh, in, in the pack with the Packers in the mid to late 1990s and persist to this day. And perhaps it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's an organization that has some flaws that haven't been exposed as much as they would otherwise, because you've had two elite quarterbacks who have by and large held things up in green Bay for nearly 30 years in Favre and Rogers. Well, they're going to lose one of those great quarterbacks if they don't yeah. change their philosophy and culture very soon. Mace, this to me is a very clear point from Aaron Rodgers saying, I want a seat at the table. I want to be treated like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, where you're going to surround me with guys that I want to help me look better. You're not just going to put pieces on the opposite side of the ball and make me elevate time and time again. Look, Tom Brady has had to elevate guys on offense time and time again. So has Peyton Manning. But then they've also been given uh, big time weapons, whether Tom was in Tampa or Tampa Bay or New England, whether uh, whether. Peyton was in Indianapolis or Denver. They were given weapons at times and Aaron Rodgers mm. is really frustrated with that. So I think this is him saying, look, maybe you don't have to fire the GM, but you have to give me a voice. This can't be a GM and then everyone else below him. And like you said, and I think it's a good point, Mace, that's how the Packers have been run. And now there's no owner necessarily to come in and say, we've got to get Aaron Rodgers a voice. It's going to come down to does management and is it just uh, the, the GM or is it entire management that says, okay, Aaron, here's a seat at the table. And we know that they've had conversations with Aaron. They've flown out to him multiple times during this offseason to talk to him. What have those conversations looked like? Obviously, it hasn't been productive enough. Have they been meeting in the middle? Have the Packers realized we're going to have to meet him in the middle? Mace, I think that's what this all comes down to is how much control they're going to give Aaron Rodgers because he says it's about the people that make the organization. And clearly, Aaron Rodgers being one of the people, the most important person in my mind in that organization, mm -hmm. he wants it. He wants to say he wants a seat at the table. He doesn't just want to be run by management. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's interesting. Kind of he talks about the people that have kind of that have made the Packers and uh, and you can kind of look back through Packer history. I mean, uh, what do you what do you think of when you think of first you think of people you think of. You think of Favre and Reggie White and Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi. You think and you know Paul Horning and you know Jim Taylor. You can just you know Boyd Dowler. You go all the way back to Don Hudson and Curly Lambeau. You think you do think of people, and I think he makes it kind of an interesting point: is are are what what made the Packers into that brand that. Uh, I would say maybe one of the most unique and distinct brands and presences in any sport anywhere is it, I think, and then I think what happens sometimes is in any organization, when you're successful, maybe you start thinking it's, it's the brand rather than uh, the, the people being energy. You think the people being uh, who they are. And when you start thinking it's the brand, maybe you start thinking of people as interchangeable parts. And uh, for example, uh, if the Packers believe that a quarterback who still clearly has something left in the tank is interchangeable with 
a young guy from Utah State in Jordan Love. And, you know, really, they're not interchangeable in, in all reality. But perhaps that's that's how Aaron Rodgers feels. They see him as another interchangeable part to be jettisoned. They should move on. And that would be a big mistake moving on from a Hall of Fame quarterback, especially with reports coming out of Green Bay that they don't think Jordan Love is ready. Shocker. But if you don't think Jordan Love is ready, then you really can't move on from Aaron Rodgers. So, Mace, I, I, have, I have to ask the question. After hearing last night, do you believe it is more likely or less likely that Aaron Rodgers will be a Green Bay Packer next year? Less likely, 100%, because, well, the thing about it is, if you're talking about about deeper things like philosophy, then you are getting into a realm where it's difficult to pivot on a dime philosophically because you're you're not talking about one person you're and you're not even talking about uh, a philosophy that's been in place for a few years you're talking about something that has grown and developed over decades and has roots so you know it's always easier to pull a, a young sapling of a tree out of the ground if you have to but when that tree gets set in gets roots and gets established 20 years later, try pulling that same tree out of the ground. You're not going to be able to do it without, without heavy machinery. Right. And if anyone can do it, Aaron Rodgers is that heavy machinery that could move things. And Mace, I totally see where you're coming from and I'm torn here, but I'm going to say it's a little more likely, just a little more likely that he's a Green Bay Packer next year. And the reason is because he just keeps his door open. I, I That's one thing I don't understand. If he wants out of there, that's fine. That's not a surprise to anyone now. We've heard everything that's come out. Why is he not saying this? What? Why is it not coming out that he has demanded a trade? Why isn't he saying that yesterday? Now, it was pretty clear and direct, like we've talked about, about what he's talking about, what he doesn't like. But if he really wanted out of there last night to help his friend Kenny out, he could have easily said, my, in my time, my 16 years have been fantastic, but my time is done there. And he, he didn't necessarily have to demand a trade, but he could have made it very clear that he was not going back to Green Bay in any form or fashion. And Mace, I think that's what it's going to have to take in order for them to trade him. I don't know why the Green Bay Packers would trade him unless they're absolutely forced to. And I think that it, to be absolutely forced, Aaron Rodgers is either going to have to come out publicly and say that he will not play for the Packers again and demand a trade, or it has to come out through, uh, through, through reports and through the media about that he has not just he doesn't want to return, doesn't see himself returning, but he absolutely will not return. And I think it has to be very strong like that. And so until that happens, he's leaving the door open. And I just I don't understand why he's leaving the door cracked if he's not willing to go back. I think this is about as strong as he can be in terms of saying, look, I'm giving you a chance to bring me back, but it's not just going to take one little change. It's going to take a ton of change. And that's what pointing to philosophy and culture there. That's a, like you said, Mace, that's a very tough thing to change overnight. Um, and that is something where maybe it is firing the general manager uh, or, you know, giving Aaron Rodgers a seat at the table for every decision made. That's something that a general manager probably does not want to do. That is really just admitting defeat. 
but that's what it seems like it's going to take to keep Aaron. Yeah, but uh, you're asking for an awful lot there, like you said. I mean, it's it's it, it, you're talking you're. I don't think you're talking about one person as well. I think that that's that that I think is one thing that I kind of took away from last night that it's not about it's about one person being gone, somebody else coming in. It's going to be about it's it's probably about something deeper and institutional. And I think anybody sometimes you face that in a, in a work situation if you've uh, you know if if you're in if you're in a dynamic where you kind of keep beating your head against the wall eventually that uh, maybe you give them every chance possible over and you, and you do it time and time again but you kind of, you, you kind of gradually hit a point where you say I don't want to bang my head uh, against the wall anymore and you know sometimes you know sometimes it'll be anger it'll manifest itself in anger on the part of, uh, of, of the employee, but sometimes it just kind of, it's kind of a, a sad, uh, a sad resignation. The other thing that I think comes into play here and, and why he was not so direct about saying that he wanted to trade is like, I think he wanted to remind Packer fans just what he thought of them. I mean, he was very, it's, it was, uh, it was very interesting that he said, you know, what he, what he felt about the coaches and teammates and then the fan base. And then when he kind of riled off that and left off uh, the management of, of the, the Packers, the organization uh, of the Packers focused on all these other things, um, maybe on some level, uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the comments, uh, you know, we read, of course, about uh, his photo, his, his video commercial at a minor league baseball game in Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, resulting in booze. Uh, maybe there's a part of him that says, I, I don't want, I don't want Packer fans to, to feel this way. I want them to know that uh, I, I appreciate them. And maybe it's just part of kind of the PR battle. The Packers are clearly fighting a PR battle on one side. Now maybe this is kind of his PR salvo uh, on the other side. So Mace, do you think that the Packers will trade Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't demand it? Well, he may have de- he he may have demanded it, and we and he didn't want to say it publicly because if well, he puts it out there publicly, the media he'll, what, at, at he, this point that probably what? would have broke through the media. Um, well, you could say it. It has broken through the media because isn't that what Adam Schefter reported uh, at the end of last month at the I draft? Doesn't I, I don't think we've heard the word demand a trade, have we? I think he said he he's told people he doesn't want to come back. I just yeah, think I'm, he's going to have to be very, very straightforward about this. And it's going to have to be very harsh words. Um, like he will never play with the Packers again. Not just that he he prefers not to come back. Well, I think I'm just looking up. I'm just kind of looking up what the, the ladies he's a core of oh, the story that Schefter wrote said uh, has to, that Rogers quote has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team unquote. I mean, is that maybe demanding that's, a trade. That's that's trade. That's that's trader or tire. Yeah, I th- I so just even, think it needs. Yeah. I think it needs to be even just a little more strong. And in fact, it or let's say it has to be public. Uh, that may be what it takes is him coming out and saying that whether it's direct, whether it's uh, it, it's written or something like that. Because if I'm the Packers, 
I'm not trading him unless I'm absolutely forced to. And he's made it very clear that he prefers not to be back there. But if I'm the Packers, I'm not just I'm not just taking that. For me, those words that 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 were in that Adam Schefter report, Mace, weren't strong enough for me. If I'm the Packers, to say okay, it's time to give up uh, on a Hall of Fame quarterback and. I would imagine that the Packers would feel that way as well. But you're, you're right that Aaron Rodgers is also playing a PR game uh, and, and trying to get the fans on his side, which which makes a ton of sense. Um, so, Mace, I have to ask another question then. With the Denver Broncos, because you feel like it's a better chance that Aaron Rodgers is not a Green Bay Packer after last night, do you also feel like there's a better chance that Aaron Rodgers is a Denver Bronco? Maybe. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, though. I mean, I think even though it may not be explicit, if you if you're telling the organization you don't want to come back, as the reports have said, that's I think that's pretty strong. The other thing also that is in play is he was around for the Brett Favre kerfuffle that went over years. And I don't think he wants a repeat of that. I don't think he wants the scenario where Favre left on really bad terms to where when he came back to play a game at Lambeau for the Vikings, he got booed. I think, I don't think Rogers wants that. And I think that this is a, you know, kind of putting it gently and not explicitly. It's a way of him trying to prevent that part of history from repeating itself. Clearly in some ways, history is repeating itself uh, with, with how things are going down. Although it, it, it lack, it, it doesn't have the drama of Brett Favre asking to retire. It's, it's thinking he might retire for consecutive years. I mean, I think, so I think if you're the Broncos, maybe the needle is slightly in your direction, but at the same time, if you're the Broncos, you've, you've got the back channels working on this. For, and you've probably had the back channels working. And again, not, ta- not tampering, pers- not tampering, but back channels working through connected people in, in, in the agent world, perhaps uh, maybe, maybe in media that uh, you've, you've, you've got, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty secure. I wouldn't say you're pretty secure, but you know what the situation is. And I, and perhaps maybe you say yesterday didn't change anything at all for the Broncos because really? you, you're, you're, you're I, you, perhaps you're dealing with better in information because I mean, it would be hard. It would, it would be hard to imagine a scenario in which at some point through a back channel, like uh, likely uh, David Dunn, Rogers's agent, there have not been some uh, discussions uh, and some exchanging of information uh, between uh, between between the sides and even between the teams, uh, allowing everybody to have plausible deniability on explicitly talking about a trade, but knowing that the groundwork could have been laid already. I think if you view last night being that Aaron Rodgers, it's a better chance that he's not a Green Bay Packer. I think you have to view this as the Broncos have a much better chance of landing Aaron Rodgers after last night for a couple of reasons, not just because the Broncos have been mentioned as one of the one of the favorites to land him. He's on their wish list. So if he's going to leave Green Bay, well, then it helps every team uh, that that that's on his wish list uh, in terms of getting him. But also you look at the things Aaron Rodgers pointed to culture being about the people, giving giving power to the players. 
that's what the Denver Broncos have been all about for the last three decades under Pat Bullen. With Pat Bullen, what was he concerned about? He wasn't concerned about power. He wasn't concerned about one guy running the show. It was the exact opposite. He let the general manager do his job. He let the head coach do his job, and he was about winning. And that's what he cared about was doing whatever was necessary from business side, from football side, to win. And then more recently, what have we seen with John Elway? He put Peyton Manning in a situation where Peyton was had a seat at the table. He was giving weapons to Peyton Manning left and right. He was building a winning football team and, you know, giving him big time free agents to work with, getting him his guys. Last week on the show, Mace, we detailed just how many of Peyton's friends that, that uh, John Elway brought in. He Aaron Rodgers looks at that and says, that's the type of culture that I want to be a part of. That's the type of where it's not just a GM running the show. He's asking me who I want and setting me up in that position. The Raiders, I don't think you can make as strong of a case that they would do that. San Francisco, I mean, I, I don't think there's any team that you can look at besides the, the Bucks right now, uh, maybe Kansas City. And you would say, who else has in the past couple of years has set their quarterbacks up for success? Well, John Elway's still here in the building right now. And you have to imagine that John Elway would be able to sell George Payton on the idea of doing that for Aaron Rodgers. So reading in between the lines of what Aaron Rodgers said, boy, the Denver Broncos just seem like an even better destination for Aaron after last night's comments. Yeah, they, they make sense for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, somebody, now, again, somebody else could jump into the into the chat here unexpectedly, but, you know, you bring back kind of the Elway, the Elway factor. And uh, even though he's not there day to day, I mean, you wonder what Elway's counsel would be to George Payton after having experienced the last 10 years, because we saw how it worked when Peyton Manning was here. And then we saw what happened when in the wake of Peyton Manning's retirement, you tried to keep uh, the defense as much of the defense together as possible and kind of, and kind of ride that defense. I mean, there was, there was a genuine belief Zach heading into 2016, even 2017, that with the defense being what it was that, Hey, you know, you, you can just get to squeeze this out, Trevor Simeon, and we can be right back there competing for Super Bowls. Well, you know what? The lesson, the, the lesson learned is that if you have a huge downgrade at quarterback, even though Peyton did struggle in 2015, he was able to win games and influence the game policy uh, positively in other ways, like with his mind that, that you couldn't, you, you couldn't really do that without Peyton. So I would think Elway, I would think Elway's kind of advice to George Payton, if, if he, if Payton did seek the counsel would be to say, look, we tried it one way uh, and it, we, we tried it the first way and we, we had success. We tried it the second way and it didn't. And uh, if you don't believe that the answers are on hand right now, then you and, and an elite quarterback is available, then you go do what it takes to get him. And the other thing is George Payton, to kind of bring Brett Favre back into the conversation in Minnesota, the closest he ever came to a Super Bowl was with Brett Favre at quarterback back in 09. Now the downside of that is they only got one good year out of Favre. He was a couple of years older than Aaron Rodgers is right now. When he moved on to Minnesota, he was a little more beat up uh, physically than Aaron Rodgers uh, is. And, and kind of the aftermath of that was, um, that they that they had to kind of rebuild and that's where the, the Vikings QB carousel sort of sort of started so 
I, I, I'd be interested to see what George Payton, what conclusion George Payton drew from his time in Minnesota that, uh, do you need that? Do you need an elite quarterback or, uh, the fact that they also got to an NFC championship game with Case Keenum, even though they got blown out as opposed to losing in overtime with Favre, uh, does he say, well, that kind of proved that you can, uh, you can get there because case, I would argue that Case Keenum and the Vikings being uh, one game away from the Super Bowl was the outlier, but Brett Favre and the Vikings being one, being one overtime away from the Super Bowl is more in line with what the NFL is. Yeah, I don't really think there's going to be any convincing George Payton that Aaron Rodgers is worth going to get. And this isn't breaking news, but behind the scenes, that is very clear as well, Mace. There's going to be no convincing George Payton that he needs to go out and get Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be, you know, telling Aaron Rodgers why this is the place to be. But I think not only because of that organization philosophy that the Broncos have would align with Aaron Rodgers. I also think Aaron's going to look at this team and say, Mm -hmm. they're one quarterback away. And that's what I am. I'm a great quarterback. Back. I'm going to come in. I'm going to make Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, this offensive line. I'm going to make them great. And then on the other side, we've got a top five, top three, maybe the best defense in the league. So I, I think it just comes down to Aaron needs to make that one last final push and make it very, very clear to the Packers that he is demanding a trade, that he will never play. Not that he doesn't you know, want to play. He doesn't want to return, to, but that he won't return to the organization. And boom, I think the Denver Broncos will just skyrocket even more than they have. I mean, Mace, they're still the favorite to land Aaron Rodgers outside mm-hmm. of the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, it's not crazy to say that in potentially one week from now, June 1st, there could be deals in place to make Aaron Rodgers a Denver Bronco. Yeah, it was interesting. Like there, there was even before Rodgers' comments Monday night, there was still kind of, at least in the media area at uh, OTAs, there was the, the Rodgers thing is kind of a low buzz right now that is in the background. Um, the, the fact that uh, maybe at some point this year when you're out there watching practice, if you're talking about Aaron Rodgers putting his stamp on it, maybe he, maybe his buddy Jake Kumaro is in orange and blue. <laughs> Maybe. Who knew who knew that such an anonymous receiver was going to become so crucial in a, a drama unlike uh, uh, unlike we've ever seen in the course of a of an NFL offseason. Before we go, I want to ask you a question, Zach. What 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 was the Packers record with Aaron Rodgers starting against the Vikings over the last uh, 13 seasons? So 26 uh, games or there's probably a playoff game or two in there. There's also, y'all remember Rogers also missed a, missed a couple of games because of injuries. I'm, I'm actually adding it up right now. So think about it and take a stab here. Um, uh, well, get how many, how many games are there? I'm going to go right now. One. Okay. Do, 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 do. A little jeopardy, a little fitting <laughs> for the conversation. Okay, what hang on. Do we have done, done, done. Okay, we have um twenty four games. Twenty four games. games. Um, yes. I'm gonna say Aaron. There's Rogers. a tie in there too. So, oh geez. Do okay, you, I'm gonna go. Compile your record I'm gonna accordingly. Go, I'm gonna go sixteen. Seven and one. You're close. 14, nine and one. Mm, okay. 
Yeah, so I mean, George Payton got to see that uh, right. He didn't have the best shot going up against Aaron. It's actually not not as good of a record as as I would have thought, considering. Um, I mean, the Packers have had some good, or the Vikings have had some good quarterbacks, but I mean, still a uh, very much yeah. a winning record against them. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to look at that and and say that the that the Vikings had some had had some success against. Uh, against Rogers and, and the, and the Packers, not much, but also kind of looking at the, uh, at the other rivalries in the, in the NFC North. Um, let's see here, the bears 13 and thir- let's see, 13 and nine. So uh, the Vikings did the, well against the bears. Yeah, actually, actually the Vikings had a, uh, a, a record of two games below 500 in the Peyton era against the Chicago bears had a winning record against the uh, the Vikings, and at least in Aaron oh, Rodgers' start, Aaron Rodgers' record yeah. against them. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so basically, that was uh, if you're the Vikings over the last uh, decade plus, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers being the thing that was in the way. I mean, and if you're George and you're you're in George Payton's uh, office right now, and you're thinking about this, and you're thinking critically. And especially in the post Favre era for the Vikings, ten years, four playoff appearances, two two division titles, two wild cards, one trip to a conference championship game over the last ten years. Aaron Rodgers is the single biggest reason why you didn't have more. Hmm. Yep. Yep. With with without a doubt. And like I said, Mace, I don't think there's any convincing George Payton. To uh to not yeah. just trade for Aaron Rodgers, but to give up a lot to yes. get for, to to get him. It's just about the Packers realizing, okay, it's yeah. done. And we would rather have three first round picks and you know a Pro Bowl player than $29 million back from Aaron Rodgers in order for him to retire. We'll see if they come to that realization sometime this week in a week from now, or if they play the long game with this and wait weeks or even months to do it. And we'll see uh, what Aaron does, but uh, Mm. very interesting comments last night. And if you want to get in on this Aaron Rodgers action, get in on the Broncos. Well, there's no better place than our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And it's also playoff time, which means big stakes and bigger promotions over at DraftKings. And they're putting you courtside with the chance to turn $5 into 200. That's 40 to one odds on any basketball game. And all you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy. And if that team wins, you'll receive $200 in free credits. That's right. All you have to do is pick any team that's still in in contention, bet $5 and if that that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. All it takes to do is $5 to get 40 to one odds over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So head to the app store now, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on any basketball team of your choice to win in their next game. And if they do, you claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out and sale credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of our friends over at DraftKings, there was there has been some slight movement on the Aaron Rodgers odds uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, they were uh, for the Broncos. They were at uh, they were at six to four, which is uh, plus uh, one hundred and fifty. Correct. Exactly. And now they are seven to five, plus one hundred and forty. 
Mm, love it. Becoming even so, heavier favorites. So another an- another move in the Broncos direction uh, from for what's worth from our friends over at DraftKings. Also want to tell you about our friends over at Gabby Insurance because you deserve better when it comes to car and home insurance. And lots of members and staff at DMVR put their policy to the test with Gabby and saved hundreds of dollars. D-Line Co. Eric Weedham saved over 1300 bucks. And how did he do it? He did it through Gabby, which literally stands for Get a Better Insurance, G-A-B-I. And getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same coverage. Who knew something like this existed? Gabby is the one true comparison platform with real rates and gives you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, including Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers, all in one place. Here's what you do. You take your current insurance information to get started. In just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you have, and it's free to use. Only takes minutes to do. And and guess what? They're not going to do anything with your info. They're not going to sell it, so you don't have to worry about spam. You don't have to worry about robocalls, whatever. You put your insurance info in, and, and you're going to see rates for comparable policies, and you may find out that you've been overpaying. Gabby customers on average save $961 per year. Maybe you're going to find out that you're already paying the best rate, but in all likelihood, you're going to find out that there is a better insurance out there through Gabby. So put your policy to the test like we did and get a better insurance with Gabby. It's free to check out with no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DNVR. That's G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR. Also, we would love it if you joined our family over at DNVR. And now is a fantastic time to do this, not just with all of the Aaron Rodgers news that hopefully is going to break soon, but we got Nuggets and Avs basketball. What an awesome game from the Nuggets. What a way to respond last night. And you can get all of the best coverage of all of it that's going on now in Colorado over at DNVR. We've got so much on the website. We've got all the pods you could ever imagine. And also, you can come hang out with us and watch the game in the best atmosphere ever. Guys, these playoff games, there's no better way to watch them than over at the DNVR. It's packed. There's, it's so much fun. The energy is so electric. And when you're at the bar, if you're a member, you can get a big beer for the price of a small beer. That's just one of the many perks of becoming a member. You get all of our content. You get to support us. You get access to the DNVR Golf League, which is coming soon. You get access to a members-only Discord so you can stay off of Twitter if it annoys you. You get extra raffle tickets at all the watch parties. All you have to do is tell us that you're a member and you'll get extra tickets. And of course, you get a free DNVR shirt with an annual membership, which is just like half the money right, given right back to you in the form of a shirt. And these shirts are awesome. They keep pumping out awesome shirts. Our guy D-Line Co. does. So make sure to join our family. Go to thednvr.com, subscribe. And when you do, Leave a comment for us because that is another perk of being a member with us is you get to leave comments that are read on this pod. And Mace, let's jump into those first ones for you. Yeah, first one coming up from uh, from the, the count. count who says, quote, I've done a poor job of convincing my partner that the Airbnb I booked for myself the weekend of the Jets game is only co- coincidentally three-tenths of a mile from the DMVR bar. Love the count. <laughs> Stumbling oh, distance, baby. <laughs> and uh that it's also a great location she'll, she'll be happy with it as well oh i love to hear that you got the airbnb booked and can't wait to hang out with you at the bar the count 
Yep. Good stuff. Lindsay MVP 2020 says, so we finally got our Aussie punter. He used to play for Fremantle in Western Australia, but his career in the AFL was played by injury. What does this mean for Sam Martin, the punting unit, the Broncos? Also, I know I need to update my username, but that is easier said than done. I set that in 2018 and hope one day it can come true, but certainly not in 2020. Of course, that username again is Lindsay MVP 2020. Oh, that man, would be wild. Things have changed in just one year for Philip Lindsay. Um, wild, but uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of a uh, of potential fan favorite, Max Duffy. I mean, I know he's a Mace favorite, that's for sure. A 28 year old rookie out of Kentucky, or, or I should say, out of Australia via the University of Kentucky. Mace, he's uh, one of your favorites. Yeah, and he's fast. The story is fascinating, of course, that uh, uh, there he is. He literally does not sign to play at Kentucky until he's 24, doesn't make his Wildcats debut until he's 25 because he did play uh, in the Australian Football League uh, briefly for the uh, Fremantle Dockers uh, at the top tier of, uh, of, of Australian football and um also played kind of in, in some, uh, for, it, it had some second tier experience as well before he finally went to American football and you watch him, you can kind of still see that, uh, Australian, uh, that, that Australian background in the way, in the way he punts, it's not kind of a traditional, uh, set up and blast it. You know, he kind of, uh, he, he will kind of turn, he will kind of get things, uh, going in a direction. His directional punting, by the way, is why he's here, even though he's got a strong leg and he had some boomers yesterday, the thing that kind of jumped out to me watching him, and we saw this at Kentucky as well, is how good he is at getting it to the sideline. And we know how much Tom McMahon prizes directional punting. So I think Duffy has a real shot to beat out Sam Martin for the job. And whether Aaron Rodgers is here or not, you're always looking for cap savings. And if you're going with a cost-controlled punter for uh, for the 2021 season, and you let go of Sam Martin at the roster deadline, uh, you're going to, you're, you're going to save a uh, North of $2 million on, uh, on Martin's contract. And then you're going to plug in a, a rookie deal at 660 K under the cap uh, to compensate, to, to get, to move in there. So your net savings is going to be uh, close to $2 million in the exchange. So if Sam Martin can do something, he might make a lot of sense. If uh, if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, I don't care who your punter is. If it's Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, you probably want to make sure you get the better mm -hmm. punter, meaning you can save $2 million even if Max Duffy's not that good. You can save the money because you're not going to need a good punter. But if not, then this this will be a real, real punter competition. And Mace, everything about Max Duffy seems great. And yes, he is 28 years old, but everything else seems great about him. His, his leg, his directional punting, it, that's everything that a special teams coordinator wants. And so, I, I mean, I asked you yesterday when we were watching him, we were watching him, boom, you know, 60 yard kicks from the 10 that were hitting and just going right out of bounds right there. I said, why was he not signed after the draft? And, and mm -hmm. that's just, that's what one thing I don't understand. Is there something that he does that's actually terrible uh, outside of the numbers he puts up? Um, reason he wasn't the reason he wasn't signed out of the draft. And I think, uh, uh that's where the age factor comes in. Even though he's a punt, you say, yeah, he's a punter. Yeah. I hate that. 
still, still there, there are a lot of teams that when they're kind of viewing, viewing guys on a level, they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to dock players because of their age. I mean, I think if, if he were 20, if he were a 24 year old punter, I think he would have snuck into the end of the draft. Man, I mean, I'm just shocked he didn't go undrafted either. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, obviously he is undrafted. We're talking like a month after the draft. He was still available. If that's the case, well, shame on the entire NFL and the Broncos, I think just got a steal here. And what Mace, where where was Sam Martin last year? Was he, he was about average, just slightly above average, right? Right. Yeah. Slightly above average. It's he, he improved the punting and, but Sam Martin for his career has been an average to above at to slightly above average punter. So the Broncos got exactly what Sam Martin has been. The question is uh, with, with punting. Also, another thing that comes into play, a lot of punters take time to kind of get established. I mean, you, but Britton Colquitt actually is somebody who uh, is, is somewhat typical and, uh, the Broncos bring him in and, uh, and, and he'd been kicking around for a little bit and they actually put him on the practice squad before he eventually, he, uh, became their active punter. Uh, there's usually something involved with either practice squad or simply going through a camp or two before you end up getting settled. And so that I think also adds to the age factor, because if you are a punter and you take that path, um, all, if you're 28, all of a sudden you're 29 or 30, perhaps before you, uh, before you go ahead and blossom. And I think that's why teams uh, generally looked in other directions uh, this off season when they were, if they were looking to add uh, other punters. The other thing is that uh, you don't see that you don't see many competitions developing uh, for punter around the league right now. So uh, it was, it's sort of a, it was a combination of factors that worked against him, but we'll see. I think he's, I, I do think he has a legitimate shot and I, th- and I think they're going to, they want to find out quickly if he has a legitimate shot. And I think that's one reason why yesterday uh, they gave, they gave him all the work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sam Martin it, was it, just watching for the most part. And Max Duffy was, was at one point, like we were watching him do, I believe it was 17 punts in a row. And of those 17 punts, Zach, uh, more than half were in, in a direction. And I believe, uh, I believe six, I believe six of them were to the right. And how often have we heard from Tom McMahon about punting to the right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very rare. Yes. <laughs> According to Tom, only like three kickers in the league can do it. Yeah. I, I, I think McMahon is going to be really intrigued with it. Well, he, he obviously is intrigued by bringing him in, but I think after that McMahon may be even more intrigued with him. Mm-hmm. And how about that? There's some good second yeah. segment punter talk. I <laughs> love it. Hey, more competitions, right? I mean, exactly. is that what we want? We, we want to talk about camp competitions, OTA competitions. And, and the other thing about punter and is kind of like quarterback. These are court. These are competitions that are fairly easy to quantify. Right? Yes, it, it is. It's very easy to see. Yep. So anyway, this is going to be fun it is next one coming in from orange and blue all over i know it's very unlikely in denver and should hope they even use two tight ends but is there any way someone could make an offense with two average quarterbacks work seems like sean payton may be thinking along these lines if not within a single game potentially certain teams that lock or bridgewater can provide a certain upside over the other having starting quarterback be announced externally right before the game so they can't prepare perhaps like 
perhaps like Bridgewater versus average or worse teams when safe wins, but then drew, but, but then bust drew out when you need a hope and a prayer, like against the chiefs. Oh my, I appreciate <laughs> the outside the box thinking here. And uh, certainly there have been, there have been instances in football where teams had that outside the box thinking Tom Landry did it in 1971 for a little while with Craig Morton and Roger Staubach. And then, Dan Reeves, when John Elway got hurt in uh, in 1992, he actually tried the same thing with Ty Max and Sean Moore alternating plays. Uh, both in both cases, it was jettisoned pretty quickly. So maybe not alternating to that degree. But the problem with this is, if uh, if you have Locke and Bridgewater and you're starting them based on matchups, it's a band aid. What that tells me, Zach, is you're trying to get by, get by for this year. And then you, you're, you're figuring out a different direction in 2022, whether that's an audacious trade or, uh, or, or, or a trade within the draft to, to get your quarterback. That's, that's what this tells me is the old cliche. If you have two quarterbacks, that means you have none. Oh, a hundred percent. That's exactly what that would mean. And also remember last year, Teddy actually almost beat the chiefs in arrowhead. So if they go with Teddy for most games, then they're also going to think that he has the best chance to, to, to beat the chiefs because he actually put up more points against the chiefs in arrowhead than drew Locke was able to last year. So they wouldn't view it like that. Although I do love the outside of the box thinking. Yeah. Why not? And I, I love that. And, Anything should be on the table. It's just that the chances of uh, of that of that particular anything uh, getting you where you want to go long term, they, they probably aren't good. It was a uh, the, the Panthers had thirty one points against the Chiefs, right? Yep. Okay, uh, that's uh, the thirty one points, and uh, and and the Broncos have had how many points in uh, their last three games against the Chiefs? Oh, not that. Okay, because they had, let's see, 16, 32, 30. Okay, 35 points in their last three games against the Chiefs. <laughs> and the Panthers had 31. Now, I don't, you don't nice. want to put it on one guy, but uh, it is interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it certainly is interesting. Next one coming in from LDJ, Kenny Maine. How are we going to clear the air between you and the Packers? We spend a night at the casino. I talk to them. I talk to you and it all works out. Rogers. Well, I think we might be in a situation like Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn in the wedding crashers. You throw a few miles. I take a few miles. We go from there. Dude, what the heck? Has anybody seen that movie? That scene is about amicable of parting ways. He's done. Rogers is done. It's time to move on. Let's go, Broncos country. Give the Packers something fair, and let's send Aaron out with a ring or two and validate his undeniable legacy. Yeah, you know what? It was funny because I've seen Wedding Crashers a couple of times, but... um. I was trying to think like uh, uh, what that meant, but yeah, like the, uh, the, the quote being, if you guys want to throw a couple miles at us, we'll take a couple. The big thing is, is that we're all moving on. Mm, yes. Yes. Mm, yes. Interesting. How about that. I should have looked this up before because now uh, reading your comment, LDJ, I believe I had what uh, 
alcoholics would call a moment of clarity. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a great point, LDJ. I just think, uh, like, like I said in the first segment, he's just going to have to be very, very clear and, and outspoken about his desire in order for the Packers to trade him, I think. Maybe he just doesn't maybe he just doesn't want to be clear. Maybe he doesn't want to say maybe he doesn't want to say those words because of, of how much he does love Packer fans. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I'm I'm sure he doesn't, Mace, but also, yeah. I mean, it would be great for everyone to just be given a raise without having to ask for one. But a lot mm. of the time you have to ask for one in order to get one, even though it's yeah. not ideal. And I just think that that's how the Packers are going to be They're They're going to make Aaron yeah. absolutely demand it. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's interesting, too, because his connection, I was thinking about his Wisconsin connections. Remember, he's a part owner of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, among mm. among yep. other things. and. I, I doubt that that's going to go away if he leaves. I don't think he wants to uh, divest himself of that particular uh, investment, even though it's a fairly small one. Um, but it also got me thinking, uh, you know, he, he's obviously uh, keen on the NBA as well as the NFL. And uh, maybe he saw Mello getting booed over the weekend and thought, and sort of the same thing going back to when Favre got booed at Lambeau when he came back and thinks, you know what? I don't really want that. Uh, how, how do I get out of green Bay while still having the people love me? Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe he's trying to find a way to kind of walk that tightrope a little bit. I don't know. That's <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, it, it's interesting. And obviously he is trying to play a game here. He is. Huh? And, and we're reading the team leaves. Uh, maybe we're reading for just whatever we want to see here, but you know what? There's no tea leaves involved with reading what you get from hassle cattle company because it's damn good beef, blue collar wagyu beef. And it's so damn good. You can now get it at the DNVR bar. That's right. We could not resist putting this damn good beef on the menu in the bar. So you can come on down and build your own delicious hassle cattle company, Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, and enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. And guess what? They're offering something for you right now. As a DNVR listener, you can buy three and get one free off their flank steaks. These delicious steaks are lean and very flavorful. They should be thinly sliced against the grain when carving. An ideal choice if you're looking to marinate. I can tell you that the that these flank steaks are ideal for if you want some carne asada, you want your carne asada tacos, one of my favorite things to make. So you get them in the marinade, you get them on the, get them on the grill, flavorful, cut them against the grain, dice it up, put it in your tacos. You're going to have an amazing meal. And these steaks are super affordable at $9.99. Now you can buy three and get one free, like I said. So use that magical code DNVR flank at checkout. That's D-N-V-R-F-L-A-N-K. At checkout to get your buy th- three, get one free flank sticks at Hassle Cattle Company. Of course, tell you a little bit more about Hassle. They're the absolute best source for farm to table Wagyu beef in the country. A fourth generation cattle farm from Texas, ship all over the country straight to your door. They call their beef the blue collar Wagyu because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. They've got smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Franks with no fillers, and two jerky flavors original and sweet and spicy. And of course, make sure you use the magical code DNVR10 and get 10% off your order. And of course, if you have $200 in your order, you're going to get free shipping. So load up on flank steak with 
that offer for buy three, get one free with the magical code D-N-B-R-F-L-A-N-K and get your order of $200 and get free shipping. Check out HasselCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use the any of the promo codes, either D-N-B-R-10 for 10% off, D-N-B-R-F-L-A-N-K, D-N-B-R flank for buy three, get one free on your flank stakes. And remember, $200 gets you free shipping and check out some of that blue collar wagyu from Hassel. All right, friends, you know how much we love you, but you've been letting us down lately. We said it, our longest and most loyal partner to date, Strava Craft Coffee, has not felt the love lately, so they're up in the offer in order for you to change that. They're giving everyone a new code. It's DNVR25, which will get you 25% off your first purchase over at Strava Craft Coffee. And not only is it delicious coffee that we run on at DNVR, but it's CBD infused, which helps with so many ailments. It can help relieve headaches, joint pains, IBS, and so much more. And also for a lot of people, it gets rid of the coffee jitters. And again, use that promo code DNVR25 and you'll save 25% off your first order. And then... Make sure to subscribe to Strava and you'll save 20% off every single purchase after that. And you can also have it set up where it delivers straight to your door every two, four, six, eight weeks, or however often you want it to show up. That'll just show up to your door at 20% off. You can also, of course, get it at the DNVR bar. You can also get it at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. You can get it so many places because it's delicious. So make sure to check them out and use that magical code DNVR25 at checkout. Also want to tell you about our friends over at Solace Meds, a new partner of DNVR, a premier dispensary with hot deals to offer and four convenient Colorado locations for you to take advantage of those offers. One in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Solace has some great deals this month, including 20% off all glacier concentrates, 20% off mile high extractions, 20% off CBN gummies, two for 25 on Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars, 15% off any three grams of Connoisseur concentrates, and buy three, get one free for the entire store. And all of these deals you can take advantage of and get an additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use that magical code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping a delight. You can head on over to the website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your nearest Solace Meds outlet at your convenience. So just go on over to solacemeds.com and purchase from there. And like I said, don't forget that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your order. That way, Solace will know that DNVR sent you. There's no better way to support us here at DNVR than by supporting our partners. So go online to solacemeds.com and purchase or go to their four locations and get the best customer service and 20% off your purchase. So remember DNVR 20 at checkout for 20% off your entire purchase every time over at Solace Meds, S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. All right, Mace, let's hop back into the comment section. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey, guys, so we've been watching Vic's pressers for three seasons now, and I don't think he's ever called a player a stud like he did with Cortland the other day. He's also mentioned a couple of times how infectious Sutton's work ethic has been to other players in the training room. Combine that with what we've seen from George Payton this offseason. If y'all remember, one of the first things Payton did when he came to Denver was watch Sutton rehab from his injury. Then he was shown buying a jersey for his kid and then breaking down 
around his film. So I think it's safe to say the head coach and GM are both very fond of Sutton. I know his name gets floated around in trade talks, but I think he's more valuable to, valuable to the Broncos than any team acquiring him because they'd be less familiar with his rehab process and also his impending contract. With that in mind, if the Broncos were happy with his recovery process and wanted to extend him before the season started, what sort of contracts do y'all think he'd be looking at? I think uh, you make some great points there, Dan Burke. I do think that Sutton's probably more valuable to the Broncos than any other team right now. But I also don't think that that means he would be off the table in in any trade talks for Aaron Rodgers. But you're absolutely right. You detailed it. Vic Fangio loves Cortland Sutton. George Payton loves Cortland Sutton. uh, And that's why he's very valued. But Mace, what are we talking about if there's a contract that happens before the start of this season? Well, if it's if it happens for the start of the season, then uh, you are you're basically trying to give him get get a discount in and take advantage of the fact that he's coming off of an ACL injury. So, you know, for example, uh, let's talk about fully guaranteed money for wide receivers. Right now, you have eight wide receivers in the NFL that have full guarantees of at least thirty million. Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, OBJ, DeAndre Hopkins, and of course, Julio Jones. So those full guarantees range from 32 to 64 million. If you, if you, if you want to get Cortland Sutton done now, it's kind of like when you got Chris Harris Jr. done in 2014, when he was coming off in the injury, you got it done during that season. You're looking for I hate to say it, looking for for a little bit of a cut rate, assuming uh, the risk that goes along with coming off of an injury. So I would say if you can get Cortland Sutton for around $25 million in full guarantees and uh, maybe a total deal that is, uh, say, four years, um, four years, four, $48 million, I think you'd do it. I just don't know if Cortland Sutton would take it. Yeah, I mean, of course you do it if you're the if you're the Broncos. That's a fantastic deal to get him for twelve million a year with only the first two years guaranteed. Of mm-hmm. course, I think you do that if you're the Broncos. I don't think there's any way Cortland Sutton would do that. Right. I, I think we're talking, you know, much closer to four years, eighty million dollars, twenty million dollars a year. Look, Cortland Sutton is coming off an injury, but he probably feels confident in his body and his rehab that he says, when I'm gonna play again, I'm gonna be a Pro Bowl receiver just like I was the last time thousand yard receiver and if i show that this year i'm going to be a 20 million dollar receiver and that's how he's going to view himself so i cannot see him taking an eight million dollar pay cut per year mm-hmm. with fewer guarantees in order to just get a contract right now i think i think we're talking at minimum if there was a contract right now 15 million dollars a year um and even then i unless court unless there's a lot of guarantees there which protect Cortland. I don't know why Cortland would do that if he's confident in in his body coming back from the injury. Now, if we're gonna let's remove ourselves from the guarantees and talk about the numbers that you mentioned because you're going by per you're going by per year. So fifteen million dollars a year. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. There are seventeen receivers making at least fifteen million dollars a year on their contracts. That is a lot. That's a lot. Now, the $20 million threshold per year, there are only four guys. Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. And with all respect to Cortland Sutton, I don't see him as a top four receiver right now. But I, there's, when... I, I, 
yeah, I, I just, I, with what you've got coming up behind him, yes, I know what Vic Fangio said, but with what you've got coming up behind him at receiver, I don't think you can pay him $20 million a year. I think that's too much. But when you, when you pay a guy, you're not paying them because of what they are. You typically do have to overpay in these sort mm-hmm. of things and just keep raising the ante. That's why, I mean, 15 is really the floor. I'm not saying he, he would get 20 million this year, but Mace, what's crazy. If he goes out and has another pro bowl year, you probably are talking about him being a $20 million receiver. Yeah. And even then, I mean, he he's good. He's really good. I just don't know if he's $20 million a year. Good. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's, that's totally fair. Like you said, yeah. you got to be a top four receiver in the league to make that worth it. And some teams may say that's not even worth it because it's a dependent position. Right. I mean, I, I you look at some of these other deals and you see like, uh, you know, Mike Evans is, is uh, on a, a, a contract that's making $16.5 million a year. I, I think that, I think that's a little more fair for Portland. So I think that's, I think that's a better deal. I think that's a better deal for the Broncos. I think that's fair value. Um, and I think that's, uh, I mean, you just, it, it, it's a difference of $3.5 million a year. And, uh, you know, it may not sound like a lot, but you 3.5 million here, a million point eight there and so forth. And those things add up to help you have a better overall team. Yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from Ohio Bronco Alex. He says, fellas, hope all is well. Can you see Patrick Sertan the second being cornerback number two and Vic moving Bryce over to the slot corner position for the entire season? I suppose that would leave Darby as the odd man out. I absolutely can see this happening. I I think uh, no matter what, Bryce is going to be the slot corner and inside regardless. Um, And I would not be shocked if Patrick Sertan ends up being the second outside corner opposite Kyle Fuller. Yeah. I mean, uh, but Vicka, you know, Vicka had some kind words to say about Darby yesterday. And he said, uh, you know, he talked, talked about being really optimistic about him being good player saying he's trying to learn and master the system, but he wasn't there yet. But it was interesting that Vic said also that he wanted that he liked what the Broncos scheme could do for Darby. And of course, the other thing you, you, you follow, you follow the money on on all of this right like i mean we last year we talked about following the money at running back because the money to melvin gordon said hey you know what he's going to be yeah he's going to be somebody who's going to play quite a bit the money for ronald for for ronald darby uh the over the next uh three over the next three years is total of 30 million dollars it's a low cap number this year it's a high cap. It's a higher cap number next year. And oh, by the way, uh, they don't. He is at least a two-year guy based on how the contract is structured. Uh, because they, if they cut him in 2022, they would have an even bigger cap number for him that year than they would if they just kept him on the roster. So, um, I'm not sure that Darby loses the playing time here just because of what they've got invested in him. Yeah, it's it's definitely awkward just how this boils down because Fuller, Callahan, and Sertan, when all are healthy, are your best three corners. But like you said, the biggest investment financially outside of Sertan is with Darby. So how do you how do you work with that? And 
you know, maybe it's that they have all four guys on the field as much as possible, which I could mm-hmm. certainly see happen. Vic has talked about having five or six defensive backs on the field at the same time. And that would be it. You'd have your two safeties and you'd have those four guys on the field at one time to be your six defensive backs. I expect we see that a lot this year. I think we see that as long as Bryce Callahan is healthy. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's the key thing is that you have somebody who has missed 22 of 32 games, the Bronco, and has never played more than 13 games in a season. If you're planning for Bryce Callahan being a part of your team, you're also planning on him missing time. It's like a, like an aging baseball player who's still, still a good hitter. I mean, I, I saw this with Chipper Jones in Atlanta about a decade or so ago. Toward the end of his career, you knew he was going to miss 40 games. Somehow, some way, some injury was going to pop up. You accepted that because he was so valuable for the other 122. Right. And, and that's the equation you're going to have with Ronald, Dar- with uh, not Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan is saying, all right, that he's, that he's going to miss some time. Let's just get every drop out of him that we can and ride that as long as we possibly can. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see exactly how that plays out this year. Next one from Mike 1809. Fellas, happy Tuesday. I was super impressed with the interviews from both Drew and Teddy yesterday. Drew looks like a man on a mission and Teddy sounded like the most likable guy on the planet. I love rooting for players that are good dudes and I'm really impressed by the character of our quarterback room while still skeptical of their on-field ability to compete. My question today isn't about either quarterback though. My biggest question on defense concerns uh, concerns our ability to cover Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, etc. Any insight about Justin Sternod? How's Baron looking out there? Too early to tell? Yeah, I'd say too early to tell. And Baron Browning in particular didn't practice yesterday. Just a, a slight injury. Uh, hoping to have him back here in the next uh, few days and, and weeks. Sternod just want to see more of him. I'm looking forward to kind of to seeing him as, as things go on. Uh, there were there were some coverage issues yesterday in seven on seven. You did see plenty. You did see plenty of guys uh, breaking open short to intermediate. Um, I'd say it's it's still a concern until proven otherwise. Yeah, um, Baron Browning, like you said, not even out there. Um, and it, it is too early to tell Mace. We're probably not going to get a good idea on these other competitions, including quarterback until training camp rolls around. Although we will be, we will be getting an idea. We'll just, we just won't truly know how guys are doing until they're, you know, playing 11 on 11, which isn't going to happen for the first couple of weeks of OTAs. Very interesting that they're not doing 11 on 11 for two weeks. You wonder uh, if this was kind of part of a, an accord between the team and the players, just like we've seen with other teams around the league to kind of uh, take something off their plate as they go back to work here. Mark IT snacks. Hey guys, Mace, the boys couldn't figure out what happened to Krusty the clown during Y2K enlighten them guys. He, uh, or I know RK isn't here, but uh, what happened was that, uh, his pay when things started to fail at Y2K because everyone thought all the electronics were going to go haywire. His pacemaker set to Hummingbird, and all of a sudden his heart started beating like mad, and then he dropped dead. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. not fun. It was the Halloween, ep- one of the Halloween episodes. So everything's a little goofy in those. And <laughs> Mark IT Snack Chats, who was the one friggin' guy to put on a New York Giants jersey that you just couldn't stand? but it would have secretly loved to have in Denver and or Tampa Bay. Wow. Uh, good question. Very good question. Um, 
See, I kind of liked LT back in the day, so I can't really say him. Um, okay. It's not a player, it's a coach. Pat Shermer? No, I wanted, I, I wanted the Bucks to have Bill Parcells badly, and they almost did. They, uh, uh, Parcells and then Bucks owner Hugh Culverhouse were well down the road to a contract, and then Parcells uh, backed out on the deal and did not become the uh, coach and president of football operations and all that, and all that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, uh, really, Hugh Culverhouse himself, the owner at the time, uh, prob- had a lot to do with that, I believe. Uh, uh, Parcells, according to various people who've commented on this over the years, uh, was told by people that uh, that was not a situation that you wanted to step into in Tampa Bay with the ownership being what it wow. was. Wow. How, how about that? Um, yeah. Boy, I'll kind of, uh, I'll kind of go with the opposite of what this question is. A guy that I liked watching, but would never want on the Broncos. And that's OBJ, uh, mm. a guy that is, you know, super talented, really fun to watch, but just all of the other stuff that comes with him, you don't want him on his team. So it actually worked out perfect for me. Got to watch OBJ make ridiculous one-handed catches and also uh, just be crazy off the field as well, but didn't have to worry about it here in Denver. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have had a lot of pretty likable players. I mean, OBJ is kind of the exception. You know, um, Michael Strahan was and is likable. Um, Eli Manning, it's hard not to like him, you know? Oh, yeah. Even though he threw interceptions like mad at times. You you, kind of root, you rooted for the guy. You couldn't help it. You seem like he's such a cool dude. Yeah, Exactly. Next one from negative, false, positive. Hi, guys. Who do you think has the final decision on quarterback, Peyton, Fangio, or Shermer? It seems like Peyton and Shermer are really rooting for Teddy. I think Fangio would prefer a lock with less mistakes because he always talks about having an explosive offense. Hmm. I mean, just from what we've heard about Vic, what he talks about time and time again is just minimizing mistakes and from the quarterback position. So I think with that rationale, I think he would uh, initially at least uh, prefer Teddy. Yeah. And the other thing also, as far as who makes the decision when it comes to who's playing on game day, it's ultimately Vic's decision, but the guy who's, basically going to have the primary say on it in influencing Vic is going to be Pat Shermer. And I think George Payton's going to let Vic make make those types of decisions when it comes to the roster on game day and who's starting. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think Pat Shermer, uh, George Payton is a guy that is going to let his coaches make those type of decisions. Yep. Exactly. And then uh, Steve is the worst. I believe this is the final comment, unless we got one in under, under the buzzer here. Says, hey, friends, just want to share my thoughts on the lock situation. Let's go. I love what I am hearing about him, about and from him so far. In regards to the short pass in the first of Dave OTAs, I think it's more of a, hey, I'm aware of the problem I had last season and less of an overcorrection. At least I'd like to think that. I got faith in the kid. P.S. Aaron Rodgers' recent comments about Cole from the DraftKings Sportsbook line has me giddy, even though I love Drew. <laughs> That's a little bit of everything there from Steve is the worst. You know, Steve is the worst. You can absolutely feel that way uh, in, in terms of, you know, liking Teddy or liking Drew, but also wanting Aaron Rodgers. That's very, very fair. Yep. Very, very fair. Oh, we got one in under the wire, wire real quick from Bronco. Oilers, a little buzzer says, beater. Eh, eh. Hey, gents. 
as we hopefully look forward to having full stands this season, I got to think about one of my favorite moments attending live sports, which is the electric energy for pregame intros and when the players take the field. I found Denver sometimes be lacking in this area. As soon as I heard that Papa Roche song in 2019, I knew our season was bleeped. But I wanted to hear what your favorite intros and interests in sports are. Maybe what you like to see the Bron- hear the Broncos take the field to in the future. For me, I have to say that Virginia Tech football enter Sandman pregame and Connor McGregor's walkout to the Foggy Dew are my personal favorites. What say you? Oh, man, I think this is a great question, Bronco Oilers. And I think there is only one answer, Mace. And I think that is the Chicago mm. Bulls uh, song when they're coming out, I, you know, especially watching the last dance. I, I just don't I, I think that's just the number one of all time, right? It's it, it, kind of the original that set the standard. Of course, they use the uh, the song Serious by the Alan Parsons Project, which Homer yep. Simpson described as some kind of hovercraft, of course. I always love to get that in there. Um, <laughs> and other teams have used that over the years. Like Nebraska had, and RK would be sh- be shuddering as I say this. Nebraska has a really good intro, and for years they used the same song. So basically it was this kind of derivative. That said, you hit on Virginia Tech, you hit on my favorite college football intro especially at night when they play that and the entire stadium lane stadium is jumping as the team prepares to take the field. That one South Carolina also has a really epic uh, uh, intro and pregame thing. They do theirs with um, the theme to 2001. As a program, South Carolina's pomp and circumstance has always exceeded their performance on the field. Um, yeah, that the NFL, there aren't a lot of good intros. And I think with the Broncos, part of it is you're playing most of your games and you're in the day, very few at night. Um, the Broncos are kind of nondescript in their, in their intros. Um, and I, I wish they had, you know, I, I wish they had kind of a song that everyone, everyone could kind of get behind. And uh, they haven't really had, a single song that people really rallied around since they used to play rock and roll part two after touchdowns until all the, uh, the vile um, child pornography and, and other stuff uh, with Gary glitter came to light. Yeah. And they've been, they... they've been missing something since that had to go away. Uh, what, what, one, probably the best one that the, that the Broncos have had, you know, they, they do thunder by ACDC, but not, not really when they're coming out. Um, but that's a good hype up song right before the game. And they also used to do TI bring them out, which I thought is just a great one and love that they did that for, for many years, uh, and haven't done that recently yet, but it would be fun to get something that they do for tradition for, for the long time and not talking about their fight song. Cause that, uh, we never need to hear uh-huh. that again. Yeah, well, you still hear it pregames. Yeah, not this past that, year, but that can end. Yeah, uh, the spirit of the West <laughs> will always be the best. I mean, you don't you don't like that? <laughs> no, no, a- yeah, absolutely not. It just they they they've tr- they've tried. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting to like look at the Broncos kind of trying to to create some traditions, and especially again since they had they stopped playing rock and roll part two. They tried a song, a, t- a touchdown celebration song by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy that lasted a few games. They tried the fight song that hasn't worked. You know, they've 
they've, they've kind of been in the wilderness as far as uh, having some music that really kind of screams Broncos since back the, in the day when the whole stadium would go da na 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 na. Hey. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And actually, they, and, we, yeah, we need to get the, something. Yeah. And tip of the hat, by the way, but to, to the old Colorado Rockies of the NHL, because that was actually theirs first and the Broncos borrowed it. And then how, when how the that? Rockies moved to the New Jersey and became the devils, the Broncos had all to themselves. So, mm. you know, credit, credit Rocky hockey for uh, starting that. And then uh, the Broncos for carrying it forward. It's actually, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of, you look back at some old eighties clips and you hear the fans singing to that. And it's, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know what they do for a touchdown song. I don't know what they do for an intro song. They probably wouldn't want to listen to me because I'd probably start saying, uh, okay, let's uh, do a little old school here. And I'm not sure that's what they want. <laughs> Maybe not, but I know what you want. And that's to check out Green Mountain Dental because they're best damn family owned dentistry in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. So if you want to go get your teeth cleaned, get a free Sonicare toothbrush and be able to talk sports, especially Colorado sports during this playoff time. Well, Green Mountain Dental is your place to go. And you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning, x ray, and exam with our friends over at Green. Green Mountain Dental. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. They're a longtime DNVR partner. They show us the love, so make sure to show them the love. And guys, you're going to get your teeth cleaned anyways. Might as well go to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental and get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam. So check them out, Green Mountain Dental. And when you do, tweet at us to let us know that you went there. All right, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us on today's podcast. We're going to go talk to some players and then break it all down on the website and for you tomorrow we'll be live on youtube starting at 10 tomorrow we'd love it if you checked in with us live and dropped a comment on youtube but for today that'll do it for andrew mason i'm zach stevens thank you so much for tuning in to us tuning in with us today we'll talk to you tomorrow now understand that you need some time Flying cotton